We are in the middle of a series as a church that we're called Revitalized, and our prayer has been just that, that we'd wake up, that we'd find ourselves uh, stretching our limbs and, and getting out of the slumber that these past couple years have put us in. We're asking that God to revitalize us. He'd bring new life into our church. He'd bring new life into our, our, our relationships with one another, and most importantly, he'd bring new life into our souls, um, that God would revitalize us where in a time when everyone is feeling worn and stretched thin, and that we could be the church that God has called us to be in the times that we find ourselves in. And I know that I personally, personally need to be revitalized. Has anyone else been feeling that, like just in the past couple years? Just a show of hands. Just, you know, help me feel like I'm not alone here. Like, you just need to revitalize. You need to feel like we need it. Like, it's been challenging times in my life personally. Um, Hard conversations with my wife and my friends and God about what really matters. Like, God, what, what is the point of all this? Everything seems to be difficult and, and stretching and hard, um, finding hard times to get the motivation, even just to do the right things. Anyone have struggle with motivation right now? And partly just the winter, too, just does that to me. Um, old routine, routines just didn't seem to do it for me anymore. Uh, thoughts are so scattered, um, and my life feels like it's just been in this fog where I've been distracted and so easily overwhelmed. And then with all the things that are happening in the world, it just seems like we cannot catch a break. I mean, the news cycle has just been one new tragedy and stressful thing over another. And it's been so hard to feel optimistic. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of weird, but I never thought I'd miss the feeling of optimism. But I, I started kind of thinking about when's the last time I really felt optimistic? And I mean, I feel like as a believer, I should feel that, but I feel like that feeling has gone away. I don't know if you can relate. So this series is just as much for me, this study, this thing that we're looking into, this prayer to ask God to revitalize us just as much for, for all of us, because we all need it. We're, we're in good company in this time. And, and we're actually in good company with the world right now. Pat mentioned it, but it's been called the Great Resignation, um, where so many people are just feeling this globally right now. Um, but I, I believe this could be one of the most important seasons that we find ourselves in as a church, um, if, we, if we catch it right. I mean, globally, the world right now is admitting that the world just doesn't work. The routines didn't work. The things and the systems that we, we relied on, some of those things were more fragile than we thought they were. Things are just falling apart. Uh, workplaces are being turned upside down. Just, things are upside down in our homes. Our systems don't work. A lot of things are failing us, and people are looking for answers. And so it's my prayer that when they look to the church, they see something that is vibrant, counterintuitive, countercultural, irresistible, and compelling. Um, in dark times, this is when the church should be shining the brightest. So this moment, this moment in the series matters for us uh, as a church, and I don't want us to miss it. Um, and my prayer is that it starts with us right here um, within these walls, and those of you that are watching online, that, that God would revitalize our faith as individuals, that he breathed new life into every aspect of our church community, our ministries, our homes, and our families so that Jesus could be on full display in a time when the world is looking for hope and for answers. So this whole morning for you, if you can hear this right, is, is an invitation to you. It's a big invitation to you. And my challenge is that um, you can take to morning, this morning personally, that this is a personal thing for you, not just someone out there, not just someone we hoped was with us to hear this message, but for you. And... Um, because if I'm honest with myself, I oftentimes look at the life God provides us and gives us a lot like a postcard or a travel brochure. I mean, it looks awesome. It looks promising. It shows up. I'm like, one day, I'm going to go there. That looks amazing. Anyone, turn to the person next to you and say, if there's one place in the world you can go right now, where would it be? Probably not Chicago. Just real quick. Where would you go right now? If you, just, if you can go anywhere right now, where would, it, where would you be? 
You think big Hawaii, you know, there's, you're not really paying for it right now. It's imaginary, you know, wherever it is. Anywhere but here, right? Sometimes we just feel like, man, life is happening somewhere else. I just want to be anywhere but here. And then God offers us this life. He says, I give you new life. I'm giving you opportunities right in front of you. And I look at it kind of like a postcard or a travel brochure to say that's somewhere else. One day I'll get there. One day I'll do it. You know, once I get my life figured out, once I get my details and my affairs put together, once I figure out myself financially, once I get through all this stressful season, once I get through the, the craziness, then, then I'm going to start experiencing the life of Christ for me. But I just, I just got to take some care of things first, God. Um, but, but really, right now, what if, what if right in this midst of this messy season, this is where God wants to show himself the most? Um, and so God is full of promise, and it's not just for another day, but it's for here. It's not just somewhere else. It's for right here, and it's for right now. And as a backdrop, we've been looking and journeying back to the start of the early church, where all this stuff started, where God's movement seemed to explode on the scene. It was, it was messy. It was growing faster than they can organize themselves, um, but it was beautiful. And we looked at how the church was vital to our growth and our faith and our own personal mental health, and we are revitalized when we we're a part of it. We've looked at how the church is meant to be a vital part of the world and that it's revitalized our communities as being, being there and being present. We looked at how our church is revitalizing us when we make a habit of being together and being uh, available to spur each other on in God's word. And this morning, I want to look at how God revitalizes us when we step in to meet the needs of others. Um, for, for a brief context, I want to go back to ground zero, if you will, to the starting church in Acts. is in Acts 2.42. It'll be on your screen, but if you, if you like to read along, it's in Acts 2.42, if you want to open up your scriptures to get there. We're just going to be here briefly, just for context. This is the birth of the church. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled in awe with many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and held everything in common. And this is the part I want us to look at, is that they sold their property and their possessions to give anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together and they, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. I mean, they weren't just being blessed by the people within the church. I mean, people outside the church received favor for them. And, and then the Lord added to their number daily to those who are being saved. That's the kind of church we want to be a part of. That's a church that God is calling us to continue to be. And one of the ways that we're revitalized as a church is when we step in to the, meet the needs of others. So the big idea of today's talk is real simple. We are revitalized when we step in to meet the needs of others. Simple. Easy enough. Makes sense. But if, if I can confess something... Um, just between us, just, just, you know, I feel like we've gotten pretty close. We've gotten to know each other pretty well. And um, if I could just be vulnerable with you for a minute, um, I, th I think the thought of helping other people and stepping into others' needs right now in the season that I'm in feels really overwhelming. Um, when we were sorting out the messages that Josh, Pat, and I were going to take in this series, um, this was one that I was a little bit hesitant to say yes to. I was like, I, I think I want to do that one, but honestly, if I'm honest with myself, I, I don't know if I want to give it because I know it's going to require something of me. And right now I'm in a season in my life where I just don't want to be asked to do one more thing. I don't want to be asked to be a part of something else. I don't want to be sitting on another committee. I don't want to be sitting in another room where we're helping other people. I don't want to just, I just kind of want to like have my family and have my life and just retract because I'm busy and I'm stressed out and I just, I don't want one more thing. 
And so if you're in that place today, when we're hearing the idea of stepping in and serving God's people, if you feel like you're at your, the edge of your margins and you have nothing more to give, I, I think this message is for you too. This message is for, for all of us uh, this morning. Um, because as we feel um, overwhelmed, it's easy to feel like we, we have nothing more to give. Um, but my hope is that this morning is that we discover that God actually has more for us. And that if you're feeling spread thin, that he has more for us and he wants to expand our capacity to give. Um, not, not just our resources, but our, our time and our presence with one another. I hope this doesn't just become another to-do list in your life, um, but it will require something of us. It will require to take stock of our lives. It will require us to look at where we're at. But as I began praying about this and where to take this, I, I, um, I began to feel really overwhelmed and took a walk around my block, and uh, it was just after like a big snowstorm, and so everything kind of felt quiet, um, aside from all the snowblowers going off in Chicago. Um, nothing's quiet, who am I kidding? But we're, we're walking through, and I was just, and I felt like the Lord impressed this scripture on my heart, and so I'm really excited to share with it, because I believe this morning God is going to challenge us to expand our capacity. When we thought we're at our limitations, we can actually discover that God has resourced us with more than we thought we have, and that our very natural um, desire to retract when we feel stressed and burdened, the actual opposite happens when we actually give of ourselves, we find the life and the things that we need. Um, and so I want to turn to a passage that is probably really familiar with a lot of us. It's Mark chapter 6. So you can go there if you'd like, Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. Um, we're going to get there as you guys are flipping through. You guys doing okay, though? You guys feeling okay? It's good to be together. As you turn there. I love this story. I love this story because I feel like I see myself in the disciples. I love this story because um, I feel like when I read these scriptures, I'm like, God, you so get me. Um, and as I reflected on this story and the season that I find myself in, when I know that God is asking me to be revitalized in giving, and everything in me says, God, I have nothing more to give, uh, this, this moment in Jesus' ministry with his disciples uh, gave me a lot of courage, and I just hope it does the same for, for us. Jesus, a little context of it was Jesus' ministry here was taking off. Um, by now, things are starting to heat up. Um, things were getting a little bit more controversial. There's a lot more attention drawn to his name. Um, a lot of things were happening. The 12 apostles were starting to do the very same things that Jesus was doing. So the ministry of the, the apostles is growing, and the, the, the rate of new followers was growing at an incredible pace. Um, and on top of it, politically, they're starting to feel the pressure of the outside world as even John the Baptist was beheaded, um, and it caused a lot of fear in the followers and also deep sorrow and grief for Jesus. So this is a high-pressure time, a lot of demands, things are growing, things are expanding, hard to sustain probably, and things are just moving on. And in the midst of that, um, Jesus says to the disciples, we need to get away. We're going to get some rest. Things have been going crazy. We need to recover. Come with me to a quiet, solitary place, and we'll get some rest. And so if you want to read the story with me, you can follow along in Mark chapter 6. Otherwise, I'm going to read it. And what I hope happens for the next few minutes is, is we sort of have like an internal interaction with this text, a little talk about it and dialogue around the things that we see. It starts in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Again, they were being a part of the ministry of Jesus. Um, and then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come away with me and give your, to a, yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. 
I think sometimes we, we think like you know, by serving in ministry, it's just going to be easy and rosy and it's going to always be life-giving. But here they were, they, they'd spread themselves thin. They didn't have anything to eat and they were tired and Jesus recognizes their needs and he says this, come away with me to a quiet place and let's get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran afoot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And by this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to said, this is a remote place, they said. And, and the disciples said to him, this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send these people away so they can go to the surrounding courtyards, um, countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And for many of you that know the story, this is where the story turns. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that, Jesus, that would take more than a half of year's wages. Are we going to spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Like, Jesus, what you're asking for us is just out of the question. Too big. There's no way we could do it. And Jesus doesn't give up. He doesn't stop. He says, well, how many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. It was like they hadn't even checked what they had. They didn't even know what they had possible. They just immediately heard Jesus give them the request, and he said, nope, um, we're not doing it. And Jesus said, well, have you checked your stuff? No. Well, go do that. I, I feel like that as a parent sometimes. Like we're like, you know, ever, any, any parents in here where the, your child comes in and says, I can't find this. And this used to happen to me all the time. I'd go to my mom, like, mom, I can't find my, my whatever. And they'd say, like, did you look in your room? Like, yeah. My mom will go in the room and like two seconds later find it. Anyone know like that? Like sometimes we just have lazy eyes and we just don't look. Well, I think the disciples had lazy eyes here. And Jesus said, like, did you even look at what you had? And he said, go and see. Um, and they found out, they said, we have five um, loaves and two fish. Then the, Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the loaves and the two fish, they took, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them and they all ate and they were satisfied and the people picked up the 12 baskets fulls of broken pieces of bread and fish and the number of men who had eaten was about 5,000. This is a big crowd, and this is a big miracle. A lot of us have heard uh, this story. Um, but what was happening here, if we could just walk through, is Jesus is offering rest to his disciples. I think there's a lot of parallels to where we find ourselves right now. Jesus, I'm busy, I'm spread thin, I'm even busy doing church stuff sometimes, and I'm just worn out. And I hear the invitation from Jesus, come be with me and get some rest. And I'm like, say no more. Let's go to Bedside Baptist Church. I'm going to go to sleep, take a nap, and this is going to be fantastic. Um, but things go in a totally different direction. And it's funny how uh, we often run into detours in our plans, and those detours are often called people. Um, people are oftentimes a detour in our lives. But, but here's something I think we need to catch as we move on to the story, is that the scene didn't change when the crowd saw Jesus it changed when Jesus saw the crowds. The disciples were on their way looking for rest. They, they had one thing in mind, and that was get away. I'm tired, and I'm hungry. I want food, and I want time with Jesus. And it's just going to be us, and it's going to be great. And they get to the scene, and the crowds were there. Nothing had to change. They could have easily said, look at all these people. This is, wow, Jesus, you're super popular. Well, sorry, guys, we're closed up for business. Me and the boys, we're going to go hang out. We'll see you tomorrow. They could have easily done that. And so that, that scene didn't change until Jesus saw the crowds differently. So the scene didn't change when the crowds saw Jesus. When the crowds saw Jesus, they saw the need, they saw someone to go to. But what changed in that moment is Jesus saw the crowds differently for somebody else. 
Um, I could just see the, the, the disciples going up there. Sometimes I think of them like with like Brooklyn accents. I don't know why. Bear with me. But he's like, they're like, hey, uh, fellas, yeah, it's, it's time. We, we, Jesus, we've been doing some great ministry for you. Like everything's been going great. Like all the stuff you told us to do, we was doing. And it was fantastic. I was out there like preaching the word and they was responding to the word. You're asking me to heal people and it was getting healed. And well, well Jesus, you said cast out the demons and I did it. But boy, I haven't eaten nothing all day and I'm really hungry and I'm super tired. And Jesus is like, come with me. Let's go get some rest. And you're like, fellas, this is what we've been waiting for. Sitting with the big guy, hanging out, camping trip, you know, go sit there, like, you know, throw back a couple beverages and sit down with Jesus. And uh, it was water back then, so don't, you know, but they're throwing back there and just we'll sit down and have some fish, talk. This is going to be great. This is the camping trip. Us and the fellas, we're going to get totally real. You know, it's awesome. Get on the boat. And they're like rowing the boat and they get over there and they see the crowd. They see the crowd on the other side, and I could just hear the grumbling in their minds, like, wait a minute, that's a whole lot of people, Jesus. You said we was going to a solitary place, and there ain't nothing solitary what's on that shore. I think we should just make a, a beeline and go to a different shore, but Jesus kept having them row, and they get closer and closer, and they see how big the crowd is, and they get up there, and they're like, uh, Jesus, uh, remember that thing you told us a few minutes ago? This was supposed to be our time to rest. This was supposed to be our time to have our needs met. Like, no one invited them. I mean, that's great that they're here, but, like, can we care for them later? Because this is supposed to be our time. Um, you know, Jesus, we have needs too, you know? So these disciples come to Jesus with all this stuff, and they ask him, we've got needs. But what Jesus was about to turn his disciples in was from needers to feeders. They came with needs, and he was going to turn them in and say, you've got stuff that you can feed. You've got, you've got p- p- um, things that you can do and you can be a part of. And it started when Jesus had compassion on the people. The very thing that they thought was going to expand their, like make them, the very thing they were running away from was the very thing that Jesus sent them to. And Jesus had compassion on them. And I think if we want to expand our capacity as a church, if we want to find ourselves being able to step in to meet the needs of others, it starts with seeing other people like Jesus does. It starts by having compassion like Jesus had. More than having God's power in our lives, I think we need to see the God's character in our lives. We need to see God's compassion grown in our lives, seeing other people like they do. And they, they got to work, and incredible things started happening. Jesus started doing it all over again. And later the disciples came to him and told him, all right, this is enough. Like, it's getting late. We, we came here, we get it, you can do this, this is amazing, and this is awesome. But listen, it is getting late, so you probably should send them away now. Um, and I, I wonder um, how often God brings us a need and our first inclination is to send people away. God, that's a big need in front of you, but I just, I can't do it right now. I'm busy and it's going to become someone else's problem. And I also love how spiritual the disciples sounded. They're like, you know, like, I'm really concerned for their safety and their hunger. I mean, we really should send them back. I mean, they're all here, but if you could just stop the whole healing thing and stop the whole teaching thing, maybe they'll get themselves some food. Um, I think it's kind of funny how sometimes we can even over-spiritualize ourselves to not meet the needs of others. I know I'm, I've been guilty of this myself. That maybe it's for someone in this room. Who knows? These are people that um, um, they're saying, like, I did my part. Now let's make it somebody else's problem. It's not my fault they didn't pack a lunch. They had lots of reasons they could have, you know, justified this. It's too big. There's too many. There's no way we're prepared for this. We're not some big organization. We're not, we're not a big cafeteria. I mean, there's a lot of really big justifiable reasons why they told Jesus this. And Jesus is like, um... Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but no. You're going to feed them. And they were like, what? <laughs> what? Which is, I mean, obviously, think about it. If you were there, do you ever just put yourself in Scripture and just ask yourself, like, if I was really there in that moment, how you'd have responded? 
I mean, picture a room like this. I mean, even just a room this size, there's, there's, there's a lot of people. It's not as big of that crowd. And someone just turned to you and said, hey, uh, you're going to feed all these people today. Uh, I, don't, I don't have enough money. There's not enough Jimmy John's to go around in this place. I mean, I know they're freaky fast, but we're going to be waiting a long time. This is just going to get really inefficient really quick. I mean, it's easy to start getting over practical about the things that God is asking um, us to do. And there's, there's no way that we can get here and do this. So they start to argue with Jesus. Um, and they even give him a little bit of attitude. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about this last week, but next week. But uh, I, I think it's interesting how even with a little bit of attitude and even with a disgruntled heart, God could still bless our obedience. Even when we aren't there mentally and emotionally, if we step in and we say yes to something God's obeying us to do, that God can bless us. We don't have to feel like going to the gym to have our muscles receive the benefit of the workout that we get when we go to the gym. Just because we didn't feel like going to church doesn't mean that we can't receive something good from God's word together when we're here. Sometimes we have to just say, God, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to obey. God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to obey. Um, And Jesus said, "Um, what do you have? Go and see. You need to search your stuff. And what do you have to work with? And, and again, Jesus didn't say, here's what you need. I'm going to give it to you, so start doing it. He said, go look to what you have. He puts this on the disciples. Uh, for such a long time, I, I thought about this passage as Jesus feeding the 5,000. Um, but the more I've looked at it, this is really a disciples feeding the 5,000 by giving something to Jesus that Jesus multiplied. This was a ministry that Jesus was teaching his disciples about who he was and what he wanted them to do. And so Jesus says, you go feed the, the, the people. This is, this is on you. This is your responsibility. And, and they go and do it. Um, so they say, we only have five loaves and two fish. In the Matthew of Gospel, it reads, we only have five loaves and two fish. Like Matthew goes out of his way to show how little they have compared to the need they have for him. I mean, if only we had like, like someone that could heal people and have endless power and might with us, maybe we could have done something. But Jesus, you need to send them away. Um, but here's the thing is, I think that God is never going to call us to do something that's realistic. And sometimes we can get overly practical in our needs and our ways to meet people that we use it to justify not acting at all. And if you are living a vision for your life that's big enough for you, then your vision isn't big enough for you. If you have a vision for your life that's, that's big, that you're big enough for, then your vision isn't big enough with God, I think. And when we focus on ourselves, it's easy to only see the problem. And we have this where they, they focus too much on their stuff. God, we only have a little bit of food, and there's so many people. But this is all we have. And I think that they missed the potential of what Jesus was asking them to do by placing it in his capable hands. And if I could just say for a minute, I think sometimes, I know I'm guilty of it. I know I'm guilty of looking at what I have, especially when it comes to like myself and my life, but even with the life of church. You know, the music is too loud, or people didn't connect with me, or the message went too long, or I'm I'm in a different place than others in my church or just, it just didn't meet my needs today. And so we could look at certain things about who we are as a people and we could say what we have, God, is just, this is just enough. The more we focus on ourselves, the more we see our own limitations and things that we may not be able to do. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus and we give what we have to him, great and incredible things can happen. We can get so caught up in the responsibilities and habits of our daily life that we could be so convinced that we don't have the capacity to give more. God, all I have is this. All I am is five loaves and two fish, God. How can I make a difference? Again, when you see your eyes are only on your limitations, you're only gonna see your limitations. And when your eyes are on Jesus, you'll see limitless possibilities in his hands. And when they surrender what they have to Jesus, that's when the miracle happened. 
They took the little they had and they gave it to him and it was so counterintuitive, right? I mean, there's so many people, so many needs. Wouldn't it have just been easier to conserve it, hold back, and allow at least two or three people to get fed and let everyone else go hungry? At least a few people would be filled. But Jesus said, I want you to give everything that you have, the little that you have, and put it in my hands, and let's see what we'll do with it. And I think we learn later that Jesus was teaching them a lesson about who he was that was gonna take a while to click for the disciples. And I'm slow to learn these things too about Jesus and about giving and giving and expanding my capacity. Um, But Jesus was showing them that he was the same God that was with Israel in the wilderness. They're in a desolate place. He is manna, the bread of life. He is the one who could supply them with everything that they need. And it was in the giving that they discovered that. It was in letting go and surrendering everything, everything they had that they found out how limitless God was. When we hold on to what we have, we miss out on opportunities to see how big and how limitless God is and that he's actually with us right now in this time and this wilderness. Now, I'm, I like action steps, that's how I think, and so I think there's some significant action steps that we could take away as a church from this passage, if you could follow along with me. The first thing is this, when it comes to revitalizing ourselves and giving and expanding our capacities, the first thing we need to do is seek after Jesus. That's the first thing, seek after Jesus. Jesus said, come away with me and get rest. The disciples had been doing a lot of ministry They've been doing a lot of really good things, but this whole story started to unfold when they came back to Jesus, and Jesus said, come with me, come away with me, and get rest. Being with Jesus and in Jesus' presence allowed them to experience this in an incredible way. And for us as a church, I, I know that I, I say sometimes, I shouldn't say for us as individuals, I know a lot of times I say I'm seeking Jesus, but in my day-to-day life, I don't sometimes know how to do that. I wake up, I have my prayer, I have my time, and then I just go about my day and I do my things and then I think about God at the end of the day. So Jesus is like my bookends to my day. But what the disciples got to experience was walking with Jesus in that moment. And I wonder what it would look like to seek after Jesus moment by moment, how that would reframe how we see our circumstances and the needs in front of us. Um, and the next thing is this, is that they need to see other people. We need to see other people like Jesus did. People are messy. People are maybe an interruption in our lives. Um, People would be great if they were just like me, but the reality is that they're not, and there's needs in front of us, and things change when I stop seeing people like how I see them, but how I see people like Jesus sees them. And when Jesus saw them, he saw them with compassion. The next third thing we need to do is we need to search our stuff. Turn to the person next to you and say, search your stuff. That sounded a little bit like a hold up. Never mind. Search your stuff. Put your hands up. Search your stuff. When's the last time that you looked at what you have for the opportunities that God has given you? Every one of you are unique. Every one of you have unique relationships. You're connected to different people in this church. You have different gifts. You have different strengths. You have different abilities. You have unique things that you may feel like you have nothing to give. But when's the last time you've asked God, okay, God, I see all the needs out there, and I'm tempted to think I can't meet them. But Jesus says, what do you have? Well, all I have is, is this ability and, and this time. What are you going to do with it? Well, God, I'm going to give it to you. How can, I, how can you use what I have? And that's when things start to change. So search your stuff. Say, God, I see the needs in front of me. I want to be revitalized. I want to step into it. It seems so overwhelming. I don't have much to give, but this I do have. Rather than focusing on what you don't have, focus on what you do have and commit it in God's capable hands. And the next thing is this, is we need to send it through Jesus. Um, After this was all done, they gave it back to Jesus. Jesus gave thanks for it, and then he distributed it to the disciples. When we surrender 
what we have and let go of holding on out of fear because we don't have margins or time or we're just uneasy about it or we feel tired and we say, Jesus, this is all I have left. I'm going to give it to you. And I don't know if this is going to be enough for everybody, but I just want to be a part of it. That's when the miracle happens and God shows us that he's got more to supply us than what we need. If I were to summarize, I think, this whole point of where I want us to go this morning is this. Do one thing for someone that you wish you could do for everybody. Sometimes we're like, you know, God, I, I don't have enough to meet the big needs. I don't, I don't have enough to address everything that's going on across the globe right now. I don't have everything that I can do to fix the church. But maybe you have something that you could do to be a part of the life and the good things that God is calling to do for one person and start there. Do one thing for one person that you wish you could do for everybody else. I believe there are so many opportunities from us right in front of us here at Moraine Valley Church. Um, but it takes us owning what we have and offering our time and our treasure and our talent to one another. Not, not just the, the ministries of the church, not just the programs of the church, but the real life people that are sitting in this room. For those of you that are online with us to get connected with what's happening here. We can't meet each other's needs when we're not in proximity and available to each other. I think it was easy for the disciples to say, you know, go send them away because they're at a distance. But God is saying when you get up close to them and you don't just see them as a group or a, a you know, like the young people today or, or there's other people in this demographic or this whatever, we can categorize them and dehumanize them and not see them for who they are. And Jesus says, I want you to get up and close and personal so that group becomes a face and that face becomes a need and that need is something that you can meet. And in that exchange, you experience the presence of God with you. Um, so don't generalize it, personalize it, get close with them. Paul gives us a closing challenge in Galatians and I, uh, I think it's a fitting way for us to kind of draw a close in our time here. He says this in Galatians chapter six. If you wanna follow along with us, it's Galatians chapter six, starting at verse seven. But I love these words and I think they're fitting for what we're talking about here. So as you turn, I'm going to have a little glass of water. <clears throat> Paul says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. For whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever rose to, sows to please the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those um, in the family of believers. You know, a lot of times I, th I think of the flesh as the obvious negative, negative things. Um, the, the partying or the revelry or the other stuff that's out there. Um, but sometimes my flesh could just be, I just want to take a nap. Sometimes my flesh could be, I just want to avoid people and retract from the world. Sometimes I could listen to my flesh and I never step into the, the eternal life, the good things that please the spirit. Um, our comfort never leads to greatness running away and retracting to the things that our flesh want are never going to lead us to producing the things that the Spirit wants to do in us. Um, Paul recognizes that as a means um, that as we do good, that we're going to grow weary. We're going to get tired. And he says, don't grow weary in doing good, but instead be willing to sow good things, which really means to give it away to pass it off, to take what you have. Similar to the disciples with the five loaves. They had to take what they had and give it away to Jesus. And that's when the good things took place. And um, saying yes to the things that Spirit of God puts in our hearts. Um, in verse 10, I love it, it says, therefore, as we have opportunities, let us do good to all people, especially for those that belong to the family of believers. That word opportunity 
also means time. As we have time, as we have availability, let us do good to all people, especially among the family of believers. We can look at a whole list of needs and feel overwhelmed. We could get on our news feeds and our social media and feel like the world is collapsing around us and we are missing out on daily moments to be revitalized by meeting the needs of one another right here in the family of believers. And I think that we need to step up and and find and say yes to those things. I'd like to invite uh, Stephanie and and, um, Michelle to come up, if we can. I think the crazy thing is, is when we say yes and we surrender our time, when we say yes to Jesus and these little things, that we actually find Jesus in the middle of it, and it's revitalizing. Uh, There was a moment um, that took place just, uh, was a week ago now? You're pretty, by the way. She's never on stage with me, so I'm really excited. This is my wife, if you guys don't know. That'd be really weird if it wasn't. Whew. Um, but, <laughs> yes. Um, but um, a couple weeks ago, um, we, we, actually, it was a week ago, I'm sorry. Um, uh, some crazy things happened. Our, 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 our van broke down, but it was just been a really crazy season for us as a family. Um, and what I have up here are two high-capacity people. They are both people that give of themselves. They're organizers. They are involved in a lot of things. They are people who are doing a lot of things. And if there's anyone that doesn't have time to do more, it's these two people. And yet in the midst, in the middle of these moments, um, they actually found that they had more capacity to give. And it was in that moment they actually found what would seemingly be a draining thing and a horrible thing ended up being a place that they found life. And I think this is a picture of what we're trying to talk about this morning. So I'm going to pass it on to Michelle first, and then it's on. Yep. Good morning, church. Um, so getting up in front of people, that's not my thing. So I wrote this out, and I do tend to get weepy, so hopefully I can get through this. Um, so just to give you a little bit of context, the past couple months have been very challenging and emotionally exhausting. It's been a stormy season, and I walk through each day with just a little bit of anxiety as I brace myself for what punch the day might hold. So here I am, driving home from work, both emotionally and physically exhausted from a grueling day, week, month. I stopped for a light, and our van motor turned off while I waited for the light to change. It's just part of the start-stop system that's supposed to conserve gas. Um, When the light turned green, the van remained dead. Kind of like a, I'm not going anywhere, dead. So I'll save you all the details of what the next three hours entailed, but after much troubleshooting, Failed attempts at a jump and much redirected traffic on 135th. I was redirecting traffic. (laughs) That was fun. Um, But then finally, the police officer was there and he was also helping. And then he was um, kind enough when we saw like this was not going in any good direction. He's like, I will um, make a call and get an estimate on a tow for you. I'm like, yeah, that's probably what we need right now. So while I was waiting, I saw a figure running toward me in the 7-Eleven parking lot. And here it was, Stephanie. And I heard her asking, do you need a tow? I have AAA and I can call it in. And at that moment, I almost burst into tears. Her kindness didn't stop there. When we finally got the van off the road, she joined me in my my cold vehicle for over an hour while we waited for the tow truck. I was humbled and felt so loved as she gave up her time and resources to help me out. I know it shook up her day. She was on her way to visit a friend in the nursing home and had her own family waiting for her at home. And yet she showed kindness, compassion, and sincere care as she shared in my struggle, embracing the disruption in her day. Well, it didn't end there. While Steph and I were hanging out in the 7-Eleven parking lot, Karen Gabriel Joyce pulled up next to us. I texted Kara earlier asking for prayer as my van situation was unfolding. 
They headed over, she and Gabriel, as soon as they got their doctor's appointment done and came to see how I was doing. And then they stayed for the rest of the time alongside us in their van. And then after everything was said and done and the van was officially towed, they gave me a ride home, which was 15 minutes opposite the direction of their own home. Despite the stress and strain of the day, I was actually in good spirits when I got home and feeling revitalized, happy, and hopeful, and the joy even carried into the next day. Um, Ephesians 2.10 tells us that God has created us to do good works, that he has prepared in advance for us. God wants us to take the time to love and serve others even when it's inconvenient. I'm thankful that Stephanie, Kara, and Gabriel had a willing spirit to do the good works that God had set before them. God used them to remind me I'm not alone. Trials can get lonely real fast. Jesus can seem distant and disengaged, and even though I still had a lot to deal with, this event was his reminder. Michelle, I love you. You are not forgotten. You are not forsaken. Trust me, you are not alone. So this all occurred on a Tuesday, and that is my worst day of the week. I leave the house at 8 in the morning, and I don't get home till about 8 at night on Tuesdays. Um, and as Michelle said, I was heading to the nursing home to see a friend of mine. And I think it would have been easy in that moment to just be like, oh, well, Mike was already out there pushing you know, her. But that didn't even occur to me to just not stop and see what they need and do the one thing that I could do, and that was provide a tow and sit and wait with Michelle. So, and honestly, the Lord had blessed me in that moment because, like I said, my Tuesdays are nuts to just sit with Michelle and have a one-on-one that I wasn't even anticipating having for the 74 minutes that we waited for a tow. Um, it just blessed my heart, too, to just get to be with her. Can I share something else? Yeah. Okay, so um, this has definitely been a growing thing for me. Back, um, let me rewind. After I had my third baby, my postpartum had gotten worse with each one of my babies. And um, I would send out a text to a couple my fellow friends from the body, and one day I just sent them, I'm struggling, like, please pray for me. And these two girls in my text responded back five minutes later. They said, we'll be there tomorrow. And I was just like, my gosh. In that moment, I knew that they were praying for me, but the next day what they did is one of them took all 10 children, between the three of us, and the other one stayed with me, and she cleaned my house alongside me, she brought me dinner, and then we sat and read scripture together. And this particular individual, over the time, has continually showed me what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus by every time that I say, pray for me. She does, I'm praying, what do you need? How can I help you? And I don't even, I didn't even know what I needed in many of those times. But it has taught me to, when times like this happen, when I see somebody, yes, I'm praying, like, Lord, what do you need? What can I do? But what can I do? And had Michelle said, nah, I don't need a toe, my next thing would have been like, okay, I'll, I'll drop dinner off at your house. What do you guys need? You know, just a practical way to take that one pressure off of somebody. Because I didn't even know that I needed my children to go away that day that I texted my friends. But I needed my children to go away for a hot minute. You know, like that was a real life need that I, I had. And somebody came and, and provided it. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And I... I think what you what you shared actually you guys can, you can I was just a question so sorry yeah so <laughs> um, and what 
I think what, we, what you, you shared a little bit was like you were super busy and you were super stressed, um, and yet you saw a need and you stepped into it. Um, and, I, and I loved how you shared um, in that story how this person who said yes and sharing with you actually created a ripple effect in your life to do that with others. Is that kind of what you're sharing? Exactly, yeah. I think by that example, I was like, wow, there's more that we could do than just respond back and saying praying, which we are praying but there's a real life need that we can do, that we could step in and actually take that off and help somebody in a real way. Yeah. Um, in my Bible, in um, Acts chapter three, that's the story where Peter, um, they're on their way to the temple courts and they see the beggar along the road. And on the side of my Bible, I have written, the opportunity came on the way. And as they were heading to the courts, they saw a man and they said, I don't have silver or gold to give you, but what I do have, I have Jesus. And they ended up um, you know, healing him and he began walk and he praised them all the way into the temple courts. And it's just kind of a very natural way that I pray that this is how I live my life, that the opportunity along the way, Lord, where do you want me to go? Who can I see? Give me your eyes to see that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That was, that was fantastic. Um, and as, as you guys, now you can applaud for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, I think the point is this, is that when, just like in the fish and loaves, when we come to Jesus, we're like, I don't have a lot. And there's, there's too big of a need for us to do. And sometimes we get overwhelmed for it. And instead, what we do is we just do nothing. But what, what if today we started with this idea, the simple idea, what if I could just do for one person what I wish I could do for everybody? Uh, specifically here at Moraine Valley Church. What if, what if I could just do for one person at Moraine Valley Church what I wish I could do for everybody? What if it could be like how Stephanie received the benefit of one person saying, you know what, I've got a few minutes, I'm going to go there, I'm going to take your kids, and we're going to help you clean your house. And the ripple effect that that had in her life, which eventually met her uh, meeting our needs in a, in a deep way. Initially, when we got the call that the car was broke down, I'm rushing over there to try to get the car off the road. I was like, I just can't take one more thing. I was discouraged, and I was upside down. I know my wife was too. And we ended up probably, that was probably the highest we have felt um, in a long time. And it was probably one of the, the harder days, the most disrupted days that we had in that week. And it was all because someone said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set aside my time. I, I, I don't have a lot to give. I, I don't, maybe I don't have a, a lot to do, but there's a person in need. And rather than just text them and say, I'm praying for you, or, or reach out and say, I hope everything's okay, or just assume it could be somebody else's problem, she heard Jesus saying, you go take care of that need. And she met that need. And it, it, it changed our lives for that week, and it's revitalized our souls. And as I talked with Stephanie on the phone, it brought life back to her and her stress in a day that was already filled. We have to stop listening to the voice that says, I just have to get away from it all, and that's where I find rest. Because sometimes we've been saying yes to the wrong things. Sometimes we've been saying yes to the things that's squeezing out the life of Jesus in us, and we feel like those are the primary things. And so we start saying no to the opportunities Jesus has put in front of us because we feel like we've got this big mound of things that we're supposed to be doing. And all the while, we miss the point or we miss the opportunity. And it's not to say that we throw everything out, right? But I think we need to take stock and look at the needs around us and say, Jesus, what do I have? Search your stuff. Look to see what you have and to know that everyone in this room has something. It may not feel a lot. I mean, some of you may have gotten just five loaves and just two fish. There are 5,000 people out there. In God's capable hands, it could feed all of them. And I just wonder what kind of ripple effect that we can have on one another as a church here if we would just start doing that. 
that we'd, we'd uncross our arms and say, when's it going to get better? We can uncross our arms and say, when's it going to stop? Or when's, when are people going to fix it? Or when is the church going to get this right? Or when are the people going to say this? Or when is this opportunity to come in front of me? I need these things. Jesus, I have needs. And we step in alongside of Jesus and we see what he's seeing here and we start to have compassion on the people and we open up our hands and say, Jesus, okay, what can I give? I think that would change the atmosphere of this place and our homes and our families and it would continue to spill out aside these walls. So here's some questions for us to think about. I think they're on the screen as well. What is one thing you could do for somebody that you wish you could do for everybody else? You make a plan for it. Talk about that over the lunch and have a conversation with it. Um, make it exciting. Start dreaming. Let's shake the dust off. Let's get pumped. Let's get excited about the opportunities that are in front of us. What's one thing that you can do? You can do something. Let's get pumped about it. Let's, let's, let's make a plan and let's do it. What are some places in your life that you feel are squeezing out your ability to step into the other things that God has for you? Um, I think it says God has for you. It's supposed to be God. That was a bad typo. Sorry about that. But what are the things that God has for you that you feel squeezed out in your ability to say yes. God, I would do that, but I can't. That would be nice, but. And what are those things that, he's maybe, that you maybe just need to say, God, I'm gonna stop saying yes to those things. And when you search your stuff, what is it that God's given you right now as you need, um, as you need to, you to meet the needs of others? What are the things that God has put in your hands right now to do? Next question is this is, are you in proximity with others at Moraine Valley Church so that you can meet the needs? Do you, do, you, do you know people from Moraine Valley Church? Do you know other people's names? Would you recognize someone from Moraine Valley Church outside these walls if you saw them pulled over on the road? That's hard to get to know everybody, I understand, but I think that we, because we look at a big sea of faces, we feel like I can't get to know everybody. How are we taking advantage of our atrium time to say, I, I can't get to know everybody today, but I can get to know one person today, and maybe this relationship can take us somewhere outstanding. Are you in proximity with other brain? And what's one thing that you could do about that this week if you're not? Is it a phone call? Is it reaching out to a leader saying, how do I get involved in a small group? I want to be involved in a ministry, or maybe I'm just going to show up a little bit extra to church or extra earlier. I'm going to stay a little extra late. I'm just going to put myself out there. I'm just going to try it. And at the core of this whole thing is this, this thing called trust and willingness. Jesus is leading us into the opportunity to revitalize ourselves by how we give of ourselves to one another. But it's going to take trust in saying, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you're the God that's with me in the wilderness. I believe that you're the God that's inviting me to follow you wherever you take me. God, I want to be a part of those kind of things, but to do it is risky. To do it is scary. To do it means like maybe like not knowing what's on the other side. If I give this to you, I don't know if I'll get it back. I don't know if I have anything more to give. I need to know that you're the God who's present with me in those moments. For those of you that are looking for rest in this place, I pray that God would give you joy and restoration as you give to what others have and need. For those of us, um, I, I pray that we experience Jesus in the middle of it all, just like Jesus was with Israel in the wilderness, leading us and supplying us with what we need. And again, the real miracle wasn't just what the people saw but it was the front row seat the disciples got when they started to realize that when I gave this to Jesus, I mean, think about it. There's so many people there, they may not even have been aware of how this happened. But the, for the disciples, they knew without it beyond a shadow of a doubt how amazing their God was, how amazing this Jesus was that they were following. When they were at their limitation, they saw how limitless Jesus was.
And that's our invitation this morning. And I hope we find that. I hope we find the limitless resources in our limitless God as we say yes and follow him to where he's leading us to give to one another. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I pray for our church. I pray for our people. Um, for those that are tired in this space, those that need restoration and to be revitalized, God, I pray that you'd meet them where they're at, that they would hear your invitation to come away with them and find rest. And as their life is interrupted with people and things and opportunities, God, I, I pray um, I pray, God, that you'd meet them right in those places, that you show them that even in their own limitations, God, and, and, and their own tiredness, that they still have something to give. They have something to contribute. They have something to be a part of. And as we give to one another, Lord, would we find you present with us in the middle of it all. As we say yes to you and follow you, would you bring glory to yourself as you care for your church by how we meet one another's needs together. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.